I've always seen that um, each generation has its own music, you know, and there's songs that you could sing by heart that you uh, learned in high school or you, you sang in college and maybe you still sing. And I think that's even true in the church. You know, there, whatever point, uh, wherever you were in history, when you came to Christ or when you began just to really fall in love with Jesus, the music surrounding that moment probably is still the most sentimental to you. That touches you, that blesses you, and you feel like, oh, this is the best, this is the best. When we play music trivia games, you know, my generation of music, I tell my children, that's the best music. There hadn't really been good music since then, you know. And I think we all kind of feel that way. There's some beautiful music surrounding the birth of Jesus. There are these songs that were written and, and sung and said uh, that just identify that moment and it connects what everything that God had done previously with that moment and everything he would do in the future. And that's what music does sometimes. Now, last week we looked at one of those songs, and today we're going to look at another one. And this one is sung by the prophet Zechariah. It's in Luke chapter 1, and it begins in verse 67. I'm going to read that with you or for you. Uh, there's a lot in this this little passage and it's a little bit lengthy so you got to focus okay you got to you got to just really sink in with this okay here we go and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets uh, from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Isn't that beautiful? You know, just like Zechariah, our hopes our dreams of what this life should be uh, is just radically altered by Yahweh, by the presence of Jesus in our lives. Christ came to bring light to a dark and just a lost world, a place that was confused and desolate and wondering what's going to happen. How is this going to unfold? And we now have that light. And it's our mission to bring that light to our generation, to this time, to this moment, and to this Christmas. Now, just as Mary's song had a name, the Magnificent, if you bought the 45, does anybody know what that is? Okay, if you downloaded this off Spotify, it would be called the Magnificent. And so does the song that Zachariah sings. It has a name as well. Now, Zachariah was the father of John the Baptist. He was a prophet himself. He was a father of what can be said 
uh, John was the last of the Old Testament prophets. Now, Zechariah was married to Elizabeth, and he was um, also the one who, back in chapter 1, verse 20, was made uh, mute. He, he couldn't speak because of his unbelief. And we're going to pick up in the story right here. But his, his song has been called the Benedictus. Now, just like last week, uh, this title is Latin as well. And it means blessed. It's actually taken from the very first word of the Latin Vulgate. Now, this song is just packed with all of these Old Testament allusions and events. And that's gotten my attention uh, for this, this whole series, just that connection place uh, around the birth of Jesus. And this is just foundational to the people of Israel. Now, last week, I think it was 21. I think I told you I found 21 connections, direct connections into the Old Testament to specific scripture and passages there to, the, to this moment. In this passage, I counted at least 26 I don't know, there may be a few more, a few less, but that's what I counted. Isn't that incredible? Now, Israel had been waiting for Messiah, but really hadn't heard from God in 400 years. You would get a little discouraged. You'd you'd begin to to doubt maybe or kind of wonder what's going to happen. So in verse 67... Uh, and this is probably one of my favorite verses of this, this passage we're looking at today. Luke tells us that Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the, only the Spirit could bring him to the place where he could express these prophetic thoughts. And that's, that is the function of, of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah had probably, I'm sure, read this scripture again and again and again in his life. And some of it made sense and some of it didn't. And some of it he just depended on tradition. And this is what I've always been taught, this, what this verse means. And this is, I don't really know what that one means. You know? And we're, we're that way when we read Scripture. Until the Holy Spirit begins to introduce the meaning of passages to us. I remember that. Do you? I remember the first time, you know, reading Scripture and going, yeah, it doesn't make a lot, I don't know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But then with the interpretation of the Holy Spirit, you think, wow, is that there? Has that always been in my Bible? Would you look at that, you know? And just this meaning comes. So for Zechariah, there's all this meaning and these prophetic words that just begin to flow. Uh, And Jesus came to redeem all of humanity, not just Israel, and the world has never been the same. Now, there are actually about 300 Old Testament scriptures that point to Jesus as Messiah. When I was younger and full of doubts and not sure and even kind of mocked some of my Christian friends and said, I don't know. And, but one of the beginning places for me, and I think it was a turning point, was beginning to read these prophecies and seeing the direct correlation to Jesus, thinking, how, how? Could that happen? And the further I went, the further I I began to see there's no contradiction. It doesn't skip a beat. There's not one that's not checked off. How could he do that? 
How could prophecies about him be fulfilled that he in no way could ever manipulate or control? That got my attention. And after a few years, you began to think, wow, at least for me, it would take so much more faith to not believe than even it does to believe. Now, Zechariah repeats one of these scriptures in this passage that the Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. Uh, And like I said, again, there's no way Jesus could say, okay, when I'm born, I need to be born in this place, and I need these circumstances to happen. I need to come from this family tree. I need to do all this. Uh, you, You can't arrange that. It would be as if, you know, several hundred years ago, Uh, somebody in Ireland, maybe during the potato famine, said, I think the Riley family is going to go to the U.S. Uh, And and, and people would have said, what is the U.S.? You know, the United States of America. Well, there's no such thing as the United States of America yet. Well, they're going to go there. And and Jack O'Reilly's great, 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 great grandson is going to be born, and he's going to live, and he's going to move to East Tennessee, and he's going to become a pastor there. And people say, well, that, that doesn't make any sense. Even during the Revolutionary War, even a hundred years ago, if somebody said, oh, I think he's going to be born, and he's going to move, and he's going to do this, you think, wow, you could never control that. This is kind of the idea of, of what's happening uh, in this passage. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah, which is also the kingly line from, directly uh, from David. Now, Zechariah begins by blessing Yahweh for visiting and redeeming his people. And the tense here is, in verse 68, is he has visited. God came at one point in time in this significant, this profound way. It's in this, this arrow's tense signifies it was a completed action in the past. God sent his only begotten son, Jesus. There's no plan B. There's no plan C. There's nothing if, well, this doesn't work out, we'll try this. No, it's Jesus. It's Jesus is the way. And he came at one point in time. In verse 69, Zechariah refers to, to Christ as a horn of salvation. And you think, well, that's kind of odd language. I don't really understand that. But it would be real familiar language to a, a Jew of that time, especially used in, in Hebrew literature. This imagery really means that, that Jesus would have the strength to deliver his people. He would be able to do this in a unique way that no one ever has been able to or ever will be able to. And in this song, the deliverance seems to be a national deliverance. All of the people thought, you know, in terms of the whole nation of Israel all the time. But it's also a spiritual deliverance. Now, to the average Jew, national deliverance was what always came to mind when they thought about Messiah. And that made it so difficult to them to break out of some of the concepts. And you may have grown up with some ideas. You know, there were things I was taught or that were repeated enough to me, and you just, after a while, that's the truth. You know, you just think, well, everybody knows that. And have you ever had those moments as, as you grow and you, you think, wait a minute, so that wasn't true after all. That was, that was a myth or it was a legend or just an old family story, and it's not true. Zechariah is getting truth. He's being able to break away from all of this tradition. Looking back, we see it's not just a national deliverance. God had something so much bigger in mind. And we recognize that Jesus came to redeem all of humanity. 
and to save us from all our spiritual enemies. Zechariah just breaks out in joy that it's going to be his child that's going to do these great things, that's going to be the forerunner of Messiah. And it's just based on the confidence that, that he has in the promise that was given to him by the angel before he was you know, struck mute for his unbelief. Uh, and I know some of you have children, some of you have grandchildren, and they just do anything, and you're just so proud of them, you know? And you just think, oh, yeah, that's my boy, that's my girl, look at that, you know? And can you imagine if your child was chosen to be the prophet that's going to announce Messiah after they have waited and waited and waited all these generations? That's the gift that Zechariah has. In verse 79, he just sings about this light and darkness like we sang about just a moment ago, that Jesus came to give us light, light in the midst of all this darkness. Have you ever walked into um, maybe a dark room and you're trying to find your way and you bump into uh, you know, a, a chair or you know, something in the room, you knock a lamp over because you, you can't see. I think that's a little bit of a, an image or a metaphor of how Israel felt just moving forward spiritually in their life. They're always bumping against all these issues and they always seem to be lost and like, this isn't where we thought we should be or all of these things and uh, just their, their captivities and the battles that they fought, and now God's silence for so long, the nation of Israel felt like they have been in the dark for a long, long time. And then Zechariah is going to sing about the light. He talks about God's forgiveness in verse 77. He talks about God's mercy in verse 78. And then he talks about God's faithfulness. And he uses the imagery of a sunrise of a sunrise and just beginning to bring that light back. I love that. You know, God has always had Christmas on his mind. He uses, as I, as I mentioned, just this variety of Old Testament scriptures in his song. In the Old Testament, that, that was his Bible then, and he had had months to study this while he couldn't talk. He was kind of on lockdown, like a pandemic, you know. And so he, he just found uh, all these scriptures. Now, he and Elizabeth were already strong believers, so they already knew all the Old Testament scriptures. But everything began to fall into place. Now, some of the Benedictus is about Zacharias's you know, and Elizabeth's son, uh, John, who would be the forerunner. Some of these verses you read and you think, oh, he's talking about John. But most of them are about Messiah uh, and the Savior that's to be born. Now, I don't know if you caught this, but in this phrase from verse 70, he said, and he said, as he said, through his holy prophets of long ago, God planned for Jesus' arrival a long time ago. And he had already been talking about it. And he had already been prophesying about that. Now, how long ago? Well, in verse 73, it tells us that Jesus' coming is the fulfillment of a promise 
that was given all the way back in Genesis chapter 15. He made this promise to Abraham. He goes, one day you're going to be a great nation. You think, wow, that's going back pretty far. Well, let's keep going. As, as people, you know, who, who are really good at sinning, we, we needed, desperately needed a Savior. And so then you can go all the way back to Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, third chapter of the Bible, in verse 15, God promised the serpent, said this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Do you know you can go back even further than that? Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. It says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And here it is. He was chosen before the creation of the world. God chose his son to be the lamb, to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, even before the creation of the world. God has had Christmas on his mind for a long time. There's another truth that, that's very close to that, that's connected, that you'll find in Zachariah's, Zachariah's song as well. And it's this, God has not only had Christmas on his mind for a long time, God has had you on his mind for a long time. God spells out the purpose of Christmas in this one long sentence uh, in verses 77 and 79. And it it says this, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. I love this scripture, and I love this song. John would come, and others would come and explain our salvation and how it comes through the forgiveness of sins, not through the endless sacrifice of animals and all of these things. You know, No, he purchased that forgiveness for us once and for all on the cross. And it all began... It all began with this song and with the baby that would be born. Father, I want to thank you for your great salvation for us and how you have changed everything. I can't imagine singing these songs for the first time. And I'm so glad they're recorded for us. Father, we give you praise for Christmas. We know that you have designed that and you have thought about us. You've thought about each person that's with us online, watching this virtually right now, and each person in this room. Thank you for your grace. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.